Hello and welcome to Sense and Sensitivity. I am Hannah Stella here without my co-host Cecilia, and that is because we had some really annoying technical difficulties last week. Cece has been traveling, she's been in Dubai and Sri Lanka, and she's having the most amazing time. But we were having some technical difficulties. That is why you did not get an episode last week. I'm so sorry. And so I'm here doing a little intro on my own. This week, Cece and I are talking about lies and liars in sort of a New York City context, and I think that you'll really enjoy it. It's a really interesting discussion. We're talking about kind of the nuance between lying in terms of absolute truth and lying in terms of perhaps an emotional truth. You know, sometimes something that isn't, this is my opinion more so than CC's, sometimes something that isn't exactly technically true is more true in an emotional sense than the facts sort of indicate. And so it's a really good talk. CC and I started certainly disagreeing more than we came to at the end and so we're really able to listen to each other and I think you guys will really enjoy it and by the way in regards to the technical difficulties I am a liar sometimes no I'm just kidding I'm really not a liar but we are telling the truth it's been oh we just feel so bad and we're so sorry and we are working to make sure that it doesn't happen again in the future thank you for being here thank you for growing with us I apologize for the relative brevity. I don't, I just don't think you guys want to hear me talk by myself for 15 minutes. So let's just get right into the episode. I appreciate you being here. CC does too. We love you and we will see you in full form next Thursday. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so I really started thinking about lying in terms of New York City. And you know, it's kind of a weird thing to be like, oh, what do lies have to do with New York City? But I do feel like people lie more in New York than they did in the suburbs. And I think it's probably because in the city, you can hide a lot more of yourself. It's not like I know where you live when I first meet you or like what your apartment actually looks like. Whereas like in the suburbs, it's like you kind of just like drive by everyone's house. You see them exiting all the time. So it's very easy to like verify lies about income, occupation, like lifestyle. But I think in New York, it's like so dense. It's hard to do that. And you also just see so many people living different lives that there's almost like a pressure to lie a little to fit in. And I've been accused a lot of changing myself to fit into certain environments. I know you also think that sometimes it's just like fitting into a culture. And that's how I feel too. But a lot of people have been like, well, now you're just like lying to yourself. You're like changing yourself. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm trying to understand this culture. So I don't know. Do you think people lie more in the city than elsewhere? I think people lie sort of differently, if that makes sense. I think I agree. It's easier though. I think that if you're doing it too much, it it slips through and people can tell. I think it's easier to do kind of a grand scale lie about who you are or where you live or the kind of things that you do in New York. But I actually think that people are a little bit more, there are so many different kind of social groups that you can fit into. And I think that in cities, maybe not exclusively New York, though New York's the only city that I've lived in, I think there's a lot less pressure to kind of have a perfect nuclear family. And so I think people in big cities in New York specifically, because that's what we're talking about, tend to be a little bit more honest, not like oversharing, but with their friends and stuff about interpersonal problems. Whereas I think in suburbs, sometimes people, yes, it's hard to lie about like what kind of car you drive or how fancy your house is. But I think there can be a lot of pressure to kind of 
pretend that your marriage is perfect or that your kids are perfect or, you know, things like that. So I certainly am not going to sit here and argue that city people lie less. It might be more, but I think it's interesting because I think it's different, if that makes sense. I, I think a city mom is much more likely, depending on her relationship to the person she's talking about, et cetera, to sort of be like, oh, yeah, like Bruce is having a tough time, like he won't do his math homework. Whereas in the suburbs, there can be more of a tendency culturally to sort of be like, nope, my kids are perfect and they do STEM and dance and fencing. And I don't know, your kid doesn't do his math homework. Like that would never happen at my house. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great point. And I do think it even goes so far as to like admitting therapy. Like I remember when I was younger, admitting therapy or like saying that you went to therapy was like this huge taboo. Whereas, you know, when you're in New York, you have so many conversations with people and they're always like, my therapist says, my therapist says, it's just like a thing. So I do think there's like a freer disposition towards things like struggles or feelings or emotions, but also more of an ability to also lie about the external stuff. Whereas I think it's kind of flipped in the suburbs. Yeah, I agree. And I think that your example was actually a better example of the point I was trying to make, because I do think that within certain cohorts in New York, people are very competitive about their kids. And so I think like your therapy example or sort of marital struggle, feeling struggle examples was a good one. Like I think people are much more open about mental health. I think that's what I was trying to get at anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe it just has to do with like the density of people that if you run into enough people, some of them will inevitably talk about their struggles in some way, whereas you just run into people a lot less in the suburbs, like in the grocery stores. And there's kind of this, uh, there's this like facade that you feel like you have to put on because there's only so many touch points you have with someone. So like each moment you run into someone at the PTA meeting or like at the dance rehearsal, it just feels like it is a moment now to like perform rather than necessarily a moment to just be real in some way. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about what our first lies were or like what you remember to be the first time you lied, whether it was intentional or unintentional? My first kind of lie story, I'm going to answer the question a little differently. I mean, I used to lie all the time. Like when you're a kid, I think that there can be a lot of social pressure to fit in. Or if you have something going on with your parents and your friends have like great parents, you maybe don't want to talk about it. Kids are so gossipy. I, I certainly was not immune to that. But my first story of like lying that I remember, actually, I was not lying for my third birthday party at school, this is like one of my earliest memories. For my third birthday party at school, I went to a Montessori school. And at Montessori, there's a thing they do a celebration of life for your birthday. It's basically like a whatever. It's like a tiny birthday party or school. The part of it was that your family brought in a special snack. And mm-hmm. I brought in these like strawberry muffins that I used to be obsessed with. Okay. And I helped my teacher serve them. And this is a very truncated version of this story, but I helped my teacher serve them. And then I was like, can I have my method now? And she was like, no, you had one before you served them. And I was like, no, I didn't. And she was like, yes, you did. Like you're lying. And now I'm going to give the leftover muffins to the class next door. So I didn't get one at all. What? And I just, yeah, I'd never been accused of lying. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I had. I'm sure that as like a small kid, like my mom was like, did you draw on the wall? And I was like, no, but, but I was lying about that. That was the first time I'd been like accused of lying about something that was important to me because it was my favorite snack and I wasn't lying. And it just, I don't know, it, it's something that I, it's like a core memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's my first like interaction with lying that I remember. Yeah. I mean, I remember lying about other stuff, nothing sort of super significant. And I don't remember kind of 
a first lie. What about you? Yeah, so I feel like, okay, well, first of all, I do think that grade school teachers, elementary school teachers can be horrible. Like some of them are angels, but some of them are horrible. And like, they don't realize the extent to which they are traumatizing these young kids that they have under their care. Because my kindergarten teacher like totally traumatized me too, when I didn't even know English. And it was just like one of those instances where like, I don't know, she had it out for me in some way, probably because I didn't know English. And to this day, I still... Oh, okay. That's a whole other story. I'm like getting heated thinking about it. But she was a bully. Mrs. Rodenizer, if you're listening to this, you were a bully to me in kindergarten. And I hope you have enjoyed retirement because I enjoy the fact that you don't teach anymore. But okay, going to lies. Yeah, so I I remember the first time I lied. And it's actually very similar to the emotions and pressures that the main character in Judy Bloom's book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which I loved back in the day, because she felt so confused about what she was supposed to be and how to fit in with new friends. And I remember I had just moved across the country to this new school. I think it was like fourth or fifth grade. And we were on this field trip. And the field trip, it was on a ship. And we were supposed to like use the pulley system to lift someone up because we learned that pulleys make things lighter, right? And you had to tell them your weight before you got on the pulley. Or I think maybe my friends and I were just sharing our weights. And I was like a pretty tall fifth grader. I haven't grown since I was 12 in terms of height. So (laughs) that should give you a sense of like just how tall I was relative to other people. But because of that, and my friends were tiny, they were like tiny Asian girls. So they were like, I don't know. They were very small. And before this pulley, I remember telling them, oh, yeah, I weigh like I think I said I like I like weigh 80 pounds and I did not weigh 80 pounds. But I just was so embarrassed about being so different from like these new girls who I wanted to be friends with at a new school that I just like lied. And I remember sitting on this pulley the whole entire time, the little board where the pulley was attached to, hoping to God that they could not tell from like pulling the pulley that I was actually heavier than what I had said. And I was just like so anxious that entire pulley experience. I understand that this was like a a fifth grade sort of sharing kind of stuff with your friends in sort of a friendly, sort of a mean girl social pressure. Like I understand the interpersonal dynamics of fifth graders, but I actually would say, I think that if somebody asks you a really rude question and you lie about the answer, that that does not count as a lie. But I don't think they meant it like at that age, no, you don't I really know. mean it I as know. rude. You're just like, oh, I'm a fifth grader. And it, it's like before prepubescence gets to you. And I remember like saying that, but then I was just, I just felt bad. I was like, oh my God, like I'm lying. I just like, I think I intentionally and unintentionally did it. I don't know. Do you have experiences where like you say something and then you're like, why did I do that? Yeah, sort of. One woman was really rude to me at an event a few years ago. She was being very condescending. And then she was asking what my parents did. And I'm estranged from my parents. And I usually just say what they do. And I don't talk about my relationship to them. I don't imply that we have a relationship, but I also don't imply that we don't. And I think that that is, I don't sort of, I don't think that that's lying. I don't think that it's rude. I think that it's actually polite. I don't think that it's appropriate at a cocktail party to get into a parental estrangement with people. But I I told this woman that my dad was dead. Oh my God. Did she immediately feel a little bad about asking? Yeah, she already felt bad. She felt bad earlier. She was kind of trying to suck up to me then. And then she was trying to kind of be like interested. And she was like, what does your dad do? And I was like, oh, he was in technology, but he's dead. 
I was in my late twenties. I don't know. I feel that she deserves, she was so rude. She was, I thought I was an intern and she was being so mean to me. She was yelling at me because she thought I was an intern, but I was not an intern. I was an attendee. And then whenever she found out, she was then like kind of trying to, I don't know. I don't feel bad about it. I mean, that wasn't good. It wasn't good, but like, whatever. I don't know. I don't know her, my story. Yeah. Yeah. But I was kind of like, oh my God, like, what if she tells everybody that my dad's dead? I was like, oh, I had, I had an oh, to answer the question more appropriately, I had like an oh no, what did I do moment? Because I was like, I don't really know who this lady is. I don't know how many people she knows that I know. And what if she goes and like either says to somebody I barely know, like, oh my gosh, like Hannah's dad died. Am I going to pretend he's dead forever? Like I was like, but it never came up again. But I did sort of have like an oh, I sort of said that because I just didn't want to get into it. And I knew she was going to ask me more questions. If I sort of said what he did, she was going to be like, where does he are? And it was just going to turn into like, oh, we're estranged. And I didn't want to get into that with this rude lady. But yeah, when I said that he was dead, I was like, oh, that was not that was not the best lie to choose. Yeah, because it's like verifiable, possibly. And those are the kinds of lies where I'm like, oh, my God, I never want to be caught in a lie. And I feel like it's what made me become a lawyer and do well pretty much at law because I'm very, I just like keep track of things that I tell people and things that people say to me. So when there's like an inconsistency in any way, I feel like it's just like my ears perk up and I'm just like, oh, what? Like you said this previously. And I just like, I love catching people in lies, which is ironic because I certainly have told lies before. Haven't we all? Yeah, I give people pretty wide latitude for like, I feel like there's a difference between like sort of a lie and like a real lie. Mm, What do you mean by that? No, explain. I just mean that like, sometimes the answer to a question is so overly detailed that it becomes like a drag on the conversation to sort of get into all of the details and all of the semantics. And so I think often people will say something that isn't exactly technically true, but captures the spirit of the answer. Hmm. You know, I mean, this is not, this would not be a lie, but the best example I can think of is like, if you are a nuclear physicist who works like very, very closely with like the Biden administration and all of this stuff, like, of course, then there's like national security concerns, but disregarding that somebody at a party asks what you do and you just say like, oh, like a science thing, like I'm a scientist, like... Hmm. That's not really like explaining it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I actually love those kinds of answers because I feel like, especially in New York, a common question every time you meet anyone is like, what do you do? And for the longest time, I never wanted to get into it. And I have some friends in finance who also never really want to get into it. So they're just like, eh, you know, something or like, I don't talk about it or something that's like, see, what? I would rather somebody lie. Then just say, I, I don't want to so, talk about it. Yes, I think that's so annoying. That annoys, oh my God. I am like, you little pretentious motherfucker. You don't want to talk about your dumbass sell side job? Like, okay. <laughs> I find that so, I don't know why. I mean, I never ask people what they do unless it like comes up, but I would be so annoyed if I asked somebody what they did and they were like, I don't want to talk about it. And then I found out that they worked at Brown Brothers Harriman. Okay. Why is that so 
pretentious if it's just like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about you. Like maybe the phrasing was wrong, but. Yeah, no. And I, I mean, maybe I'm just imagining a situation that will annoy me. And I'm being silly. Like it's lighthearted. I'm not like offended. But I, I think that whenever you say you don't want to talk about something, it actually makes it more of a thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is like I. So I suppose it's a lie. I lie all the time when I meet people, when I'm talking about my parents, because I am estranged from both of them. And I intentionally just, just if I'm meeting somebody in a casual way and they're like, where are you from? And I say, I'm from Texas. And they say, do your parents still live there? I say, yes. And then I just kind of like answer the questions in a, in a vague way that probably implies that like, I'm still on good terms with my family. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that is like a simpler way of explaining it. And in that context, it doesn't really matter. And then if I get caught in it later, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like I met you at a cocktail party and I didn't feel that it was like an appropriate time to get into like why I don't talk to my mom. And so I just didn't talk about it. I've never had anybody be offended by that. But I think that whenever you say, so if somebody doesn't want to talk about their job and they have what is an impressive, but very normal job, like they work in private equity. If you're at a party in New York and somebody says, what do you do? And you say, I work in private equity, then they kind of like know what that means. They know what that is. If you say, what do you do at a party in New York? And somebody says like, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about you. They're actually, I think that then you are implying that you have some like super cool, like (laughs) interesting, like crazy job where I'm going to be like, what the fuck does that guy do that? He won't even talk about it. Like he won't even mention the title. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I I think that might be a way of phrasing it Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. I also, I don't even ask people what they do. So, well, okay. That's good. And I think, so I actually identify a lot with the people who like, don't want to talk about what they do because I think I have been in so many situations where someone asks you what you do, which you wouldn't do, which is great because I actually think it's like an overused question. And then the conversation just becomes about work all the time. Or like if they find out you're in the same industry or like have knowledge of their industry, you just keep on talking about it. So I was like at a brunch and some girl, I don't know, she started talking about like she worked at KKR and then just like started talking about the value of her investment vehicle that she was in charge of. And then like 15 minutes later, I was just like, I am still in this conversation about an investment vehicle at a brunch. And the urge to not be in those conversations so much was so high that I was like, okay, if I can, I want to avoid talking about work as much as possible. And I realize now that it's like, it's a little weird to just be like, I don't want to talk about it. But I do think the people who say they don't want to talk about it, it's like they're caught between two tensions. One is they don't want to lie. And two is they don't want to have those like work centric conversations. So then they pick this like third option. But you're right. Like another way to avoid it is to just like tell a little white lie. I think you can also combine that. I think my preferred option in that scenario is would be to be like, I'm in finance, but I'm so bored of work. Can we just like talk about anything else? Mm. You know what I mean? Like you can answer the question honestly and vaguely and then completely dismiss the topic. Yeah. And if you say that you're bored of work and want to talk about something else, if somebody wants to talk to you about their work, it then becomes like very awkward and embarrassing for them to ask you about your work, mm-hmm. especially if your work is very corporate. I think it's probably more difficult if you are a poet to be like, I'm a poet, but I'm so bored of work. Can we talk about <laughs> anything else? Like, 
I think people are like, no, like I've never met an actual poet before. Like I want to know about that. And so I think depending what you do, maybe it yeah. is more flexible. But yeah, I think that you can tell people that you don't want to. I also think if you're vague, if you say I'm a lawyer instead of like I'm m and attorney at Cravath and my <laughs> practice is like this and this, like I think the, the more vague your answer, the more that communicates to people without you saying it, that you're not really interested in getting into it and having a conversation mm-hmm. at work, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And I do think a lot of the people I know who don't want to talk about what they do are a lot of like men who are dating in New York and they kind of don't want to be like a finance bro for potential people to like kind of latch onto that. And I do think, I mean, I'm kind of on finance bro seeking TikTok a lot and seeing those TikToks, I'm like, okay, you know what? I kind of understand it. Why you wouldn't want to like broach it at all because there's a stereotype and there's like a certain larger than life persona that's associated with it that you might want to just like stay away from. Yeah. I suppose I just think that if you stay away from aggrandizing your hedge fund, that that achieves the same goal without making you seem just (laughs) so annoying. I love it. I love it. So I also looked into like a little bit about why we lie. And it turns out that pretty much there's like very few people who don't lie ever. But for most people, even like quote unquote good people, we all lie some of the time. It's just like naturally what we do with everything. But there's like some conditions that make us more prone to lying. And this is based on a book called The Honest Truth About Dishonesty, How We Lie to Everyone, Especially Ourselves, which is by Dan Ariely, who studies things like lying. And he kind of found that there are a few things that increase our propensity to lie. And one of them is when the payoff later in the future is like more distant. So this is like, you know, I tell you that, you know, if you do something, then you get money further in the future, like five years from now, then you're more prone to lying about something versus if I told you, hey, the payoff is like tomorrow or immediate. And I don't really know why that is, but maybe we just think if it's in the future, then it feels like the punishment for lying or like the reward for lying hasn't happened yet. And we can still feel better about ourselves. I don't know if you like lie ever about things that happen in the future, but I do kind of understand it. Like if I haven't started an assignment, right. And it's like due three weeks from now and someone's like, Hey, have you started? I'd be like, yeah, a little, but I might not at all. Whereas like if it was due tomorrow, I would have to tell the truth. Like I would feel so bad about lying. Yeah. Well, it's because you can make up for it. That makes complete sense to mm-hmm. me. Like, I think about this all the time. This is like a complete tangent. We might, you, we can cut this out, but like, so everybody who gets caught like insider trading or not insider trading, sorry, doing basically like Ponzi schemes, like lying about their trades and stuff. What usually happens is that they lost money and they were like, that's okay. Like I'll make it up tomorrow. And then they don't make it up tomorrow. And then they keep making it up tomorrow mm-hmm. and making it up tomorrow until then it like implodes. And I'm like, how many people, how many portfolio managers have cooked the books a little bit to make it up tomorrow and then made it up tomorrow? Probably a lot. Yeah. yeah. Probably a lot. So I think that's the sort of, that makes complete sense to me as in terms of the psychology. And like, that's the kind of thing where, yes, it's better to be honest, but for me and my like interpersonal reactions with people, if I was like, 
talking to my friend, like a friend of mine has a suitcase in my clothes. And if I call her when we finish recording this and I say, Hey, did you ship my clothes? And she says, yes. And then she immediately goes, gets my suitcase and goes to FedEx and ships it. And then if I found out that actually she said yes, and then she did it right away after. Yeah, it was a lie. But like, what do I care? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, it would be just as easy to say, Oh my God, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't. I'll do it right now. But like, to me, it's a distinction without a difference in terms of like, the effect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people are more likely to lie in those scenarios because they feel like in the long term, I can make it up and who cares. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's almost like a lie that we tell ourselves all the time too. And okay, maybe not like a literal lie, but I do think in order to keep on living another day, like surviving another day, you kind of have to tell yourself the quote unquote lie that your life is going to get better, right? Like everything is going to get better. You're going to figure things out. Like it's all going to be okay one day. Or else I find it really difficult to just kind of go through the motions of daily life if I knew for certain that something was going to go awry immediately. And I feel like this is almost a corollary of that where it's like, in order to continue and play the game and all that, you kind of have to believe a little. And it's not so much a lie. Maybe it's just like a belief or perspective that things are going to be okay and improve. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not sort of defending all of those lies. I certainly don't think it's okay to like cook the books and make it up tomorrow. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm saying the psychology of it makes sense to me. And in terms of like the long-term effects, how offended I am by the lie is more a result of the long-term effects. Yeah. 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 For me. Yeah. And other factors that kind of like increased cheating in Dan Ariely's experiments were having another student in the room who was like clearly cheating. So seeing other people cheat, and that totally makes sense to me. Like, I feel like if I looked around and everyone else was cheating, I would feel an immense pressure to like also cheat because I don't want to get behind. So that I was like, okay, that makes sense. This one was interesting. This factor increase the dishonesty was knowingly wearing knockoff fashions. Like if you're wearing knockoff fashions, then you're also more likely to cheat and lie in this test, which kind of makes sense to me. But I'm also like, why does what we wear have such an impact on our psychology or maybe it's vice versa? Well, I think it's like how you're choosing to present yourself. And I'm not a psychologist, but my sort of armchair expert guess at that would be that it depends on somebody's intention in a sense. Like a lot of stuff that you buy at like J crew is actually like knockoffs, right? It's actually like, you know, they saw like on the Celine runway and then they made their version. And if people buy it, liking the aesthetic and just sort of maybe not even knowing it's meant to look like Celine, I wouldn't think it would increase that. Or even if you buy something that's a knockoff just because you like the style. Whereas there's another way of like sort of buying knockoffs and like wearing knockoffs, which is to sort of create the image of that you are somebody in a certain like socioeconomic bracket that you're not yet in and Mm -hmm. kind of a fake it till you make it mentality. And it makes sense to me that somebody who has chosen to do like kind of a fake it till you make it externally would be willing to make the same compromises internally. And I say that really with like very minimal judgment. Like it's not how I choose to do things, but it's worked for a lot of people. So. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, if you need that to kind of go ahead in life and continue doing you, I can't really knock it. I can't knock the knockoffs. 
So the last two factors of like why we lie, one is just like being drained from the demands of like a mentally difficult task. Okay, so this is actually like a study where they found that people were much more likely to lie at the end of the day versus the beginning because you're just like so much more mentally drained. You're so much more likely to like, I don't know, have that drink and say you didn't to like smoke that cigarette and tell your family that you didn't because I think being truthful does take mental effort. And sometimes like we just need to kind of lift the pressure valve on that a little bit by lying, by deviating. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't think it's good, but I think it makes sense. It's like, especially in sort of these small interpersonal. And I actually think that that is some of the lying that people do frequently that's the most harmful. And so I really don't want to sound like I'm condoning it by saying that I understand it. But I understand how like at the end of the day, when you get home and your husband asks if you did something and you didn't do it and like just not wanting to have that argument when you've already done your whole day, how that's like the number one time where you're going to say you have when you haven't. Unfortunately, I also think that that is some of the lying that we do that ends up being the worst and the most damaging. And that's the most important to try and stop doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's always like the people who are closest to us to whom like we should try to minimize lying to, right? Like those are the moments where it is your loved one. It's not like stranger at a dinner party. It is like the people to whom you kind of have an ethical obligation almost to be truthful or try to be truthful. And then the last reason why people lie a lot is if they think that lying will help their teammate or their friend in some way. And this one I totally get. I feel like this one, I don't even know if I really think it's a lie in many ways, because it's like, if it's your family, if it's your friend, like if it's someone that you really support in my head, I'm like, okay, if it's helping them, it's not quite a lie. I mean, I think it is a lie. I think this is actually sort of interesting as we've talked about this kind of before this, I think it is a lie. And I think that you are thinking, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you were thinking of a lie as like, always a bad, always an immoral thing. And I'm thinking of a lie as a category. And then there's like gray area and nuance within that, whether or not it's okay to lie. Mm -hmm. Like if your friend is like, I feel so confident. I've never felt so good. Like, do you love this dress? And you say yes, because like, that's the right answer, even though it's, you don't like the dress, but it doesn't like look bad on her in a way that you need to warn her. I would say that you lied to her, but I would also say that you should have. Hmm. Yeah, I have such a discomfort with like lying generally that those types of situations like give me a headache almost and they make me like so uncomfortable. I would not be able to really interface with her very normally after and it would be at the cost of our relationship almost if I like knew I had to consistently lie to her and that's not good either. I'm like, how do I even get to that point. But like, it makes me so anxious to lie to someone repeatedly. Like if someone like if a friend is like dating someone I don't like, I am so bad at continuing to reach out to them and like hang out with the both of them. If I don't like the person because it like pains me every second to have to pretend like I'm okay with this. But then the result is we just hang out less, which I also hate. Yeah, I suppose. So this is I'm gonna ask you. Yeah, an ethical question that I just made up. So let's say you have a friend and you don't like her fiance Mm -hmm. and you don't like him at all, but like, because of the nature of your relationship, you also are very good friends with her and you hang out like more like one-on-one or girl group. And so you never really see him. She asked you to be in her wedding. Are you in the wedding? 
Or are you going to say no on like the principle that you don't like the husband and so you don't support the union? Oh, God. I think because of how heteronormative that wedding possibly, probably is, I would say she's gay. But her friend is I'm just either way, it doesn't matter. I I don't Okay, I only ask because I think it really matters how much time you spend with the partner, right? In these festivities. Because I do think normally when you're in the bridal party, I actually don't see the partner a lot. It's a lot of like hanging out with my friend and like their friends versus having to really deal with the other partner at all. Like you kind of just see them at the end and then you know, take some photos, buy. And I'm okay with that. I think it would be a little bit more complicated if they were doing like joint things, right? Like a joint bachelor bachelorette party, like joint everything, in which case I would have to kind of like pretend the whole time that I was okay with the time I was having and being polite to someone whom I don't actually care for. That's like a much harder question. So the moral dilemma for you, you find it difficult to be polite and interact positively with people who you don't feel warmly toward, but you don't feel any conflict about, this is going to sound judgmental and I really don't mean it that way. You don't feel any conflict about sort of by standing up, kind of endorsing a union that you don't approve of. It's really your interaction that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's totally fair. Yeah. And I think this goes back to like what I think a wedding is. I think it's like more for the people getting married and the time that they want to have. And I'm there to stand by like my friend, not necessarily endorse the union as much, but like to be there for my friend and that I'm okay with. And it does sound really selfish of me. And now I realize to be like, well, it makes me uncomfortable to deal with people that I don't like, but have to pretend to like them. But it is like such a strain and it like makes me feel icky afterwards in a way that I can't quite describe. But I just, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's not in me. It makes me exhausted. Yeah, that's interesting. I asked that because I actually agree with you. I would be in the wedding if I didn't like the fiance or the boyfriend or the wife or the girlfriend or whatever. But I also will hang out with my friends, partners who I do not like, not like one on one and not there's a difference between to me, there's a difference between not liking someone or even thinking someone is like a bad guy for my friend Versus thinking that somebody is like, there are people who like unilaterally I will not hang out with because I think that they are like sort of creepy, bad people. Mm -hmm. But for me, the line where it's like, this is not somebody I will hang out with. And the line for like, this is not somebody who I would prefer my friend was with. Those are different. Yeah. And so if you're somebody who I don't think is like dangerous to be Mm -hmm. around or gross to be around, but I just don't like you. Like to me, I don't feel that it's disingenuous personally to have a polite conversation with them in support of my friend, because that's what she's pursuing. Yeah. And if she asked me what I thought, I would say I would, Mm. but I also don't think that you should ask your friends what they think of your partners, unless you want them to answer. Right. Right. Like never ask a question which answer you may not want to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about that point, which is just like common lies that we've heard or told and also just like lies of omission. Like the fact that you might hang out with your friend and their partner and just never, ever mention that you might not like them. And I think this kind of is something I see online a lot too, right? Which is someone showing their lives and then like the comments might be all like, 
you didn't talk about this. You didn't talk about your parental help. You didn't talk about like your privilege. And there's a lot of accusations about not fully disclosing background privilege or assumptions that suddenly makes it a lie in the eyes of the viewer. And I always found that like very interesting. Yeah, I understand where it comes from, particularly when people really go out of their way to deny it. But I've always thought that it's a little bit bizarre because it would be impossible for somebody to disclose everything about their background in every single video. Mm -hmm. And I also feel personally that sometimes when people get in trouble for this, using just context that the creator has put in the video, it is obvious that that is happening. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I would even venture so far as to say not just like context in the video, but general context from other videos that aren't like completely hidden. Because I do think it is kind of incumbent upon you as a viewer, as like a consumer of media to do a little bit digging yourself rather than just kind of jumping to conclusions about stuff. And I feel like media literacy is like one of the biggest issues facing our culture at the moment. And it could just be really ameliorated by, I don't know, Googling for 15 minutes more, like watching a few more videos, but instead we kind of have this like knee-jerk reaction to certain media and we just kind of like ask or spew or like all of that. And I think I have like an FAQs for people who do ask a lot of questions about certain stuff that just come up frequently. And people still ask the same questions over and over. And I get that where it comes from. Like, you know, they don't necessarily have to look, but I feel like the people who do take time to look and then contact me afterwards, I'm much more likely to respond to them actually, because it kind of shows that like you did your homework a little bit rather than just looking around at the world and being like, I want to know about this. Please tell me this. Like, just give me the answer to this. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I also think there's only a certain extent to which we're entitled to information about other people's lives and Mm -hmm. circumstances. And I think that people go way too far. Like Mm. there are other creators where it is obvious to me that they have, even if there are like living off of the income that they're making, that their spending habits are based on having some sort of a familial safety net. Mm, And some of those creators are not open about that. And I do not personally feel that it is their obligation to be as long as they're not going out of their way to obscure it. Like it's very obvious to me that if somebody is like 22 years old and spending money like crazy And when they started making content, lived in a fancy apartment, it's obvious to me that there's some degree of like resources behind it. And as long as they're not sort of going out of their way to imply the opposite is true, I think that that is enough information that is out there for people to draw the conclusion that there's some level of family resources behind it. And I don't think it's their obligation to tell you all of their business and their parents' business and their grandparents' business and their sugar daddy's business, like whatever, (laughs) whatever it is, like somebody not opening their diary is not them lying to you. Yeah. And if you feel entitled to know everything about somebody's life because they're showing you their like free people jumpsuit, that's your issue. That's not their issue, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you have to say about, I feel like a common retort to that is, oh, but like you chose to put your life out there in the first place, like you chose to invite us in. And it's like only natural that 
you then get all these questions about your life, which you chose to show us? My answer is that I am invited into my actual real life, personal friends lives all the time. And I don't feel entitled to anything close to the amount of information that some people on the internet feel entitled to. And so I think you seem completely like over the line. I think that I think that if you would not think it is an appropriate question to ask a friend, then it's completely reasonable. Yeah. And it's also just, I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. Like, okay. All right. Like you are mad because somebody told you their favorite exfoliant and now they won't tell you how much their dad paid in taxes last mm-hmm. year. Like, okay. Yeah. Like die mad. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. And I think this is something we can kind of like take from just consent culture, which is like, you know, you can consent to one thing, right? But not consent to something else, right? It's like, I consent to a kiss. I don't consent to like, I don't know, having sex. And that's like totally fine. And I feel like there's this relationship to when we do invite people into our lives, even the same as like, you know, I invite you into my living room, but like maybe don't go poking around the attic because I haven't invited you there. And I think there's kind of an all or nothing mentality sometimes when it comes to like what we tell people about anything that it then becomes like, oh, well, you put it there in the first place. And it's like, no, I invited you into my living room. I didn't invite you to like into my bedroom. Right. No, exactly. And I don't know. I just think that, I mean, it's fine. You can't really stop people from, I understand having the question, Mm -hmm. right? There are people who I pass on the street where I overhear a snippet of their conversation and I'm like, wow, I would love to know all of their business. Yep. (laughs) But I understand that it is not my right and is not appropriate for me to follow them and ask them those questions, that it's not appropriate for me to try and look up their tax records or their property tax history or any other information. Like there's nothing wrong. There's nothing immoral about curiosity. But even if somebody's lying to you, like, it's not really your right to like, you're not a real housewife. Mm. You know, is that the threshold where all of a sudden you think they owe you everything? No, I didn't mean real housewives owe you everything. I meant you as a person who is like investigating people on the internet or investigating Uh. your friends. You are not a cast member on a reality TV show where it is your job to know each other's business, dig up each other's business and bring it up for a plot line. That's what I was saying. I was not saying if somebody's a real housewife, you should do that. I'm saying that like, if you think that your friend Sandra is like being kind of sketchy about Mm -hmm. what's going on with her and her husband's finances, if she's just your normal friend, Sandra, like you can decide whether her sketchiness means that you don't want to be friends with her, but I don't think it's appropriate for you to go digging into it unless Sandra is your castmate on the real housewives of St. Louis In which case, like, that's part of your job. And by being on that show and being sketchy about her finances on that show, she knows that. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it was just a reality TV joke. Yeah. Sorry. I don't watch Real Housewives, but I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate the nuance. You don't? No. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it, but I don't watch it religiously. Okay. Well, you know enough to, you know, make jokes about it. Okay. So I kind of want to finish up by asking, like, do you think there are any ever acceptable lies, like face tuning or like editing your photos or I don't know, like embellishing things on your resume? Or I think this is like the most legal cheating, lying, which is a lot of people do on their taxes, right? Like things that are business expenses, 
are actually, do you think there's anything like that that are acceptable within that realm? Yeah, but I think it's one of those, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Mm -hmm. Like porn. Yeah. I think that there are a lot of lies that are pleasantries, a lot of lies where it's just not really people's business. I think something that I run into a lot is sometimes people will ask me like a really invasive question on the internet. And I will say something that is like very obviously a lie, <laughs> but like that, if something's so obviously a lie, that is what we, my dear friends call a joke. Like somebody asked me how much my rent was and I told them it was $25,000 a month. Mm. And then all these people are like, oh my God, like 25. And I was like, that guys, use your noodles. Like, I think that kind of lie is always acceptable. Like, I think if somebody asks you something and it makes you uncomfortable, if you see something that's completely outrageous, like you were technically lying because you were being untruthful. But if anyone with like kind of a baseline knowledge of what you're talking about knows that you're not telling the truth, you know, like if somebody's like, CC content creation, what does something like that pay? And you say, I make about $65 million a year. <laughs> like... I think that's fine. That's technically a lie, I suppose, but I don't think you're lying. I think you're sort of like telling them in a friendly way, like, okay, back off. Like, that's not your business. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's always acceptable. Yeah. And then within the realms of like other interpersonal things, I think it just depends, depends on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to steal that whenever people ask me how I'm supporting my lifestyle now. I'll be like, did you know content creation pays 65 million a year? It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Be like, oh no, I was married to Jeff Bezos before Mackenzie or something. <laughs> Just say anything. Okay. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I'm very, see my discomfort with lying shows up so much because I haven't even thought about doing that. And instead I just like falter and I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm scared. And then I don't know what to say, but instead I should lean into it. Yeah. I think it's also fine. Sometimes I say like, I'm just not going to answer that. But I, I don't think that if a person of average intelligence would immediately be able to identify something as mm -hmm. almost certainly not true. To me, that no longer qualifies as a lie in yeah. terms of like ethics, right? It's just a joke. Yes. Even though that does mean that potentially 50% of the population would not be able to identify it as a joke. Well, now we're getting into like the bell curve <laughs> of intelligence. Yeah, no, no, no. More than half of the doll is, yeah. It, it is less than that. <laughs> Maybe 25%, 20%. And you know what? That's on them. I don't know. I mean, okay, like, fine. I'm not for you. Yeah, you lost them. Okay, well, thanks, guys, for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoyed our discussion about lying, not lying. I feel like I left this discussion feeling even more confused about lies, except the fact that maybe I should lie more. But... We will talk to you guys next week. And that is not a lie. See you next week. Thank you guys. <laughs>